Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets will host the Indiana Pacers tonight, game two of this new era of Hornets basketball. Now that the trade deadline has come and gone, the Hornets, a new influx of talent and uh, really availability to their bench, which they took advantage of the other night for a 115-106 win over Memphis, snapping a 10-game slide, and now they get to set their sights on a win streak. Hornets taking on the Pacers, who right now sit at 30-24. and in a top six position for the moment in the Eastern Conference. We'll have our game preview for that one. Also, we're going to have a conversation with a Charlotte legend, Gerald Wallace. He was honored at the Hive last home game, that contest against Memphis. Got a chance to sit down with Crash, and we will let you hear from him a little bit later on here on this edition of the HHC. Helping me out, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, here with us once again. Rob, we felt like it was a new beginning going into that last game against Memphis. Certainly felt it going out. Have the good vibes continued through the weekend? I mean, I feel like it. It's been a while since we had a win, and it's been a while since I feel like there's been that much energy at Spectrum Center. I mean, obviously, I'm sitting here underneath the stands, game in and game out. I'm talking to people. I'm getting feedback. And Will Palachik, he came down after the game on Saturday, of course, and I was like, was it loud out there? He goes, I haven't heard it that loud in a long time. So it's great to get that buzz back in the building, no pun intended there. But a lot of excitement around this team and I'm excited to see how it continues tonight against an Indiana team. And it's a big difference compared to that game against Memphis on Saturday. You have a little bit of time to kind of regroup a little bit here. You already got one game under your belt, and it's a much better team. No disrespect to Memphis. They've gone through a lot this year, but this is a Pacers team that's one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. And, of course, we'll get into our game preview a little bit later on. But I'm excited for tonight. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. It should be a lot of fun. Hornets trying to get a little bit of revenge on their most recent matchup with the Pacers, a 115 to 99 loss against Indiana here at the Hive. This will be the fourth and final meeting. In that one, Brandon Miller went for 35 points, which ended up being the game high. But unfortunately, again, it did come in a loss. But it, it jogged my memory a little bit looking back at that one in preparation for tonight's game because, you know, we rightfully were focused on on all of the newcomers, uh, just uh, basically a brand new bench for Hornets head coach Steve Clifford to play with and, and try and work out different lineups and different rotations. Trey Mann came in as a starter for Charlotte, and all of the newcomers, they all stepped up and had an impact. Mann as a starter knocked down his first two shots, finishes with nine points and nine assists. Great debut. Grant Williams returned home to Charlotte, the former Providence Day star, go Chargers, as well as University of Tennessee. 15 points, eight rebounds, a plus 19 in the Plus minus best on the squad. Seth Curry knocks down his first three in teal since uh, you know he was in warmups maybe for for uh, Charlotte watching his dad play. Uh, longtime pro, great great player. Uh, he had a couple of steals as well. Really solid work for him off the bench. Davis Bertans knocked down three threes and Vasilye Micic he ends up with career highs: eighteen points, eight field goals, two threes, and nine assists. His best game here in the states after a long and storied career in Europe. Th- 
those guys got all of the headlines, but Brandon Miller continues his remarkable run here in this second half or so of his rookie season. He ended up with 18 points, one of his most efficient games of the season, I might add. Seven for nine from the floor, three for four from three, also knocked down his only free throw. He's really, really smart about picking and choosing his spots, has been since the start of the season. It's long been his M.O. that he plays best around other really good players. He showed us over the last couple weeks prior to the trade deadline that he can take control of a game on his own, but now he's got more talent around him to play off of, to take attention away from him. He's going to have more one-on-one matchups, more catch-and-shoot opportunities, and even if the volume isn't always there, I think the efficiency is going to skyrocket. Yeah, I think that's something that we didn't even touch on the podcast yesterday when we were talking about all of the new guys coming in. Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges might be the biggest winners out of all of this because they're going to have so much pressure taken off of them on the offensive side of the court that it's going to free them up. I mean, heck, Miles was 11 of 13 shooting the other night. Brandon Miller, 7 of 9, like you talked about. So this is an opportunity for those guys to get better looks at the basket. And I think that's something that we saw with Brandon at the very beginning of the season when LaMelo Ball was healthy and when his roster was fully healthy and ready to go, where there were several different options to attack from offensively, where you had LaMelo Ball that could run the pick and roll with Mark Williams. You had Terry Rozier on the perimeter as well. Miles Bridges was able to provide some spacing. Same with P.J. Washington. Now that those guys are gone and a couple of them are hurt, it's a different game. It's a different type of offense that you have to run through. But you go back and you look at Saturday's game and you have shooters out there and you have veteran presence that know how to space the floor despite all of the injuries and absences that this Hornets team has had, unfortunately, over the last couple of weeks. Now that these guys are fully healthy, you got that fresh blood in there. I know they only played one game together, and they never even had a practice together, heck. So the fact that you're able to see these guys kind of come to fruition a little bit, it's only going to make Brandon Miller that much better. Because now, if you compare it to something else, it's almost like maybe a little bit of a Jaime Hawkins situation in Miami now, where... Jaime isn't the only option for that team. He has Jimmy Butler. He has Bam Adebayo around him. He has Duncan Robinson on the perimeter. I'm not saying that those guys equate to what the Hornets have now offensively, but it allows the Hornets to have a lot more scoring opportunities and guys that have threats to score the basketball to let Brandon Miller be more free. I think the difference, though, is if you're taking the heat comparison – Brandon's Tyler Hero. Brandon's the guy who... I was who, just comparing rookies, but, but yeah. But no, you're you're right. But the, the difference is Hakez's role is more of the one that, I guess, Trey Mann holds or Bertans or Curry. Like one of these guys who is there to take advantage of the opportunities there, but is not necessarily supposed to be the leading shot taker on a nightly basis. Brandon's kind of established that role, and he did it before these guys got there, and he's just going to get more efficient now that they have arrived. But his play over the last 15 games, this stood out to me, looked it up after the contest, uh, last 15 games, which is the largest sample size outside of just going to straight month by month uh, on the way the NBA stats line works. I'm sure there's another way to figure it out, but I'm not that smart, so uh, this is what I came up with. Brandon Miller, who has been considered the third best rookie for about the last month, I would say, in this class. Prior to that, most people had him top five, and I thought the ones that said he wasn't top three were crazy, but that's me. Now, he might have catapulted himself into a whole new stratosphere, because if you look at the last 15 games, which is effectively when some of these injuries hit and and the Terry Rozier trade happened, and Brandon Miller took over a top two shooting role. Not necessarily scoring, because sometimes the shot falls, sometimes it doesn't, but he's getting a lion's share of the shot volume. He is the leading scorer amongst all rookies. 
All of them, including Victor Wembanyama, including Chet Holmgren, everyone. He's at 22.4 points per game in his last 15 games. Victor Wembanyama is at 22.3. So it's a razor-thin difference. There is a huge chasm, though, between those two and everyone else over these last 15 games. Next highest is Cam Whitmore at 15 points per game. Then Chet Holmgren and Scoot Henderson were both at 14 points per game. So that's a huge number of points. It's minimum three, four shots a game more made that Brandon Miller and Victor Wembanyama knocked down than everyone else. And Brandon's the more efficient of the two. He's the better free throw shooter. Doesn't take as many as Wemby gets on a night-to-night basis. Not a huge shock. Wemby plays a little bit more on the inside. He's also seven feet tall. He is, and and Brandon Miller is still figuring out how to draw more fouls. He's getting a lot better at it, I might add. He's had some big games at the foul stripe recently, Uh, but you know, he is, when he's there, the more efficient free throw shooter. He is slightly the more efficient field goal percentage shooter, which is a shocker to me because Victor Wambanyama is seven foot three. He can dunk from like the free throw line, if not the three point line. So uh, that's a much easier finish. Brandon Miller can really punch it as well. We heard some highlights from him uh, last game in that regard. But you would not expect him to have a better field goal percentage. It's like saying who's got the higher field goal percentage, Miles Bridges or Mark Williams. I would always automatically guess Mark Williams. He's a dunker. That's what he's there to do. Uh, but Brandon Miller for these last fifteen games. Better field goal percentage than Wembenyama, and from three, you would think this would be uh, you know an easy one, and it is. Brandon Miller is the better shooter; he's just under forty percent from three. Wembenyama very good, thirty six point eight percent, but Brandon Miller is winning in all three of those categories. In addition to points per game, is it going to actually yield Miller catapulting into number one for rookie of the year? Probably not. But if this continues and Miller makes up the ground, and especially if the Hornets start to Put some wins together here and showcase Miller, including an All-Star weekend coming up uh, about a week from now, less than a week from now. I think there's a real case to be made because Miller's numbers, statistically, they're stronger than Holmgren's. If the argument is that Victor Wembanyama's numbers are so much better than Holmgren's that it doesn't matter that Chet's team's winning and Victor's is losing, well, if Miller's numbers end up better than Wemby's, what does that say for where the vote should go? It's an interesting concept, and now that the Hornets have this new look to them, my question is, can Brandon Miller pop off for 35 points again? Yeah. Is he going to? Probably not, but the opportunity could certainly present itself, and that's what happens when you have better players around you or players that are more savvy offensively that have the ability to score the basketball. So I don't know if Brandon's going to get 20, 25 shot attempts a game again like he was at times here over the last couple of weeks, but the efficiency is going to certainly go through the roof like you talked about. I mean, there's an opportunity that he can easily be a 50, 40, 90 guy, no problem. Now, maybe not the 90 at the free throw strike because he might not get there a whole lot, but I mean, there's an easy chance that he gets 50% from the field and 40% from beyond the arc just because of the efficiency that he's going to have here with these new scores out there for the Hornets that can spread the floor out a little bit better. And again, we've talked about this new fresh blood that's come in for the Hornets and these five guys that have come in from Dallas and Oklahoma City. We haven't even realized or we haven't really mentioned the fact that LaMelo Ball is still not back in the lineup. Mark Williams is not in there. And I know that LaMelo is a lot closer than Mark, but I mean, even when LaMelo Ball gets back into the fold here, I mean, this is going to be really, really scary from an offensive standpoint, a defensive standpoint. I mean, just a team standpoint where this team can finally be whole 
And all of a sudden, you look and you're like, wow, this team is going to be deep and they're going to be effective as well. We've been asking for it all season, and when it finally happens, they might be better now than they were in the previous iteration. Certainly looks to be trending in that direction. One last thought is is it's the first game really after the trade deadline where all the pieces were in place. Wembenyama, his Spurs team lost to Brooklyn 123-103 the other night. Wemby finished with 21 points, a couple more than Brandon Miller, but not as efficient. 7 for 16 from the floor, 3 for 6 from 3, 4 for 4 from the free throw line. Miller 18 points, 7 of 9 from the floor, 3 for 4 from 3, made his only free throw. Miller also had Two more rebounds than Wemby did. Wemby's seven feet tall. That shouldn't happen. But it did. Brandon Miller ended up with more rebounds and uh, two less assists, but still more rebounds for Brandon Miller. It's going to be an interesting race. We'll see how things transpire from here on out. But I think Brandon Miller has played excellent, excellent basketball for the last month or so. And I think the best is still in front of him here for the remainder of the season with more support, with more healthy bodies surrounding him the rest of the way. All right. The other night, Hornets honored a Charlotte legend, Gerald Wallace, one of the leaders of the expansion. Bobcats took that squad from expansion squad all the way to the postseason and made an all-star of himself along the way. He was kind enough to join us in studio before he was honored at halftime, and we're going to let you hear that conversation next. Gerald Wallace sits down with me after this here on the Hornets Typecast. Without further ado, let's welcome Gerald Wallace here to the Hornets Hivecast. Gerald, welcome home. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. It's a thrill to see you back here in Charlotte. What does it mean to you to have this ceremony, this night, about you and what you brought to the Queen City? It means a lot. It means a lot coming from an organization that, you know, nobody really cared about, you know, starting all over from the ground. The production that we put in, the representation, to be honored in one of Charlotte's basketball history, it means a lot to me. You did so much to bring basketball back to Charlotte. As you mentioned, it was an expansion team. When you got here, you took it from the ground to the playoffs. Thinking back on that experience, what was the vibe like? What was the atmosphere like in the city of Charlotte as you went about that process? Um, it It was kind of... Unfresh, if you can say it was, they, it was kind of new. They didn't know what to expect. We, we we were a bunch of, you can kind of say, guys at the bottom of the roster list. So they didn't know what they were getting. Uh, and I, I think our main thing was to come out and compete hard every night. You know, give our one hundred and ten percent. Give them something to cheer about. I remember days we were like, you know, ten and we on a ten game losing streak. I think we had probably two of them in the same month. You remember those times when you make that playoff run and you make that playoff push and you finally get here and you bring the city something that they have been wanting and enjoying. And I think that was the the most memorable thing about being here in that time back then. Players end up in the expansion draft for a lot of reasons. For you, you were a fairly recently drafted player who hadn't quite cracked a rotation as a major focal point just yet with the team that originally selected you, Sacramento. What did it mean when Charlotte picked you, when you came here, a fresh start, a fresh opportunity? Uh, that's exactly what it meant, a fresh opportunity not only to the city, not only to everyone around, but only to also to myself that I can play in this league. It gave me a fresh ground, a fresh place to start and I think you know being here with basically no leash on just getting an opportunity to play basketball that first year kind of helped me through the growth process of becoming a player that I became. And you became an all-star, you became an all-defensive player and most importantly for Charlotte fans you became a key portion of a playoff team. <laughs> Thinking back on, on how it all went down what what meant the most to you about the opportunity you got in Charlotte and what you were able to do here with the Bobcats? 
I think just the the growth in the league, being able to, as you said, start with a franchise from ground zero. Everything was new with the franchise. And to be able to lead them to their first playoff berth, I think that was the biggest thing, uh, the most memorable thing of the seven and a half years I was here. You have such an interesting kind of combination of skills that you had on the floor. You were in the dunk contest, an elite athlete. You were an elite defender. You had all of these intangibles that you brought to the table. As you look at the game now, anyone remind you of you? Mm, That's a good one. That's a good one. I don't know. I don't like to compare myself to other people, so I don't know. I think, mm, let me get back to you on that one. How about this? Who do you like watching play right now, whether it's for Charlotte or anyone else? I enjoy watching Jar play. I enjoy watching Brandon. I've been watching him since uh, he was at Alabama. I really love the way he plays, how hard he plays, and the intensity that he brings to the game. But if I was really having to watch him, I like I would watch Jokic. I was hoping that you would mention Brandon Miller because you know obviously the Alabama connection. No, I said he's, Brandon. I know. I know yeah. you did. Okay. Uh, and and he's obviously here now with the Hornets yeah. in terms of what you see for a, a future with him. And it's not an expansion team that he came into, but he came into a squad that hadn't been to the postseason in a while with a city that's mm-hmm. hungry. What advice would you give Brandon as a fellow? former Alabama squad member and, and someone trying to guide Charlotte where you took him? The biggest thing is to try to get better every year. Try to improve every year. You try to improve on your winning, your your percentage, your you as a player, uh, your team, and just keep pushing. I think the biggest thing for us was that we always felt like we were getting better every year at your pieces, take away your pieces, but you know, and eventually things will click and you'll get that special season. Well, we are thrilled to celebrate your special seasons sure. here in Charlotte and uh, thrilled to have this night to honor you. And hopefully you'll come back when Brandon leads the team to the playoffs and be able to celebrate that with us as well. I appreciate it. Thank you. Gerald Wallace, a Charlotte legend, his cell retired into Spectrum Center's halls for the rest of time. A legend, someone deserving of praise and glad to see him have his night celebrated with a victory for the Hornets the other day at Spectrum Center. Coming up next, Hornets are going to try and make it back-to-back wins. They'll take on the Indiana Pacers tonight. Game preview coming up next here on the Hornets Ivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. The Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Santa. Thanks again to Gerald Wallace for sitting down with us in studio. Charlotte legend. Glad to see him get his due from the uh, Charlotte fans and faithful and see the team get a win in his honor as well. That was special the other night at the Hive. Team has snapped a 10-game losing streak with the win over Memphis. They'll try and make it a two-game win streak hosting the Indiana Pacers tonight. Charlotte has faced the Pacers three times prior this season. Of course, they famously won a nail-biting 125 to 124. LaMelo Ball getting the better of Tyrese Halliburton in a last second defensive stop in Indy. Uh, since then, though, it's been two lopsided results in favor of the Pacers 144 to 113. On the road for Charlotte, and then 115 to 99 at home. One feature of both of those games from the Hornets' perspective: no Lamelo Ball in either. Not expected as the recording of this podcast to be available for this one. But of course, Charlotte's had a sudden influx of available players with uh, the newcomers to the team, including Trey Mann, Vasilya Micic, Seth Curry. Grant Williams, and Davius Berton. So, time for a game preview. Rob Longo, Sam Farber here with you. Rob, you know how this works. We need players to watch for both sides, as well as a stat to watch. Pacers, they are currently in a top-six position in the East. Hornets still have a shot at a 500 record. They just need 30 more consecutive victories. It can happen mathematically. Uh, Hornets right now, though, 
for the moment, uh, about 13 games outside of a play-in spot. So very, very long odds, but they're playing better, at least, after one day with the new influx of talent. Where do you want to begin? Hornet, Pacer, or Stat? Before you begin, a little bit of a primer on the Pacers. They're 2-1 since that game last week against the Hornets. A 125-111 win at Madison Square Garden over the Knicks on Saturday night. And I'm going to go with a Indiana Pacer to watch to start things off. I'm going to go with Miles Turner. He finished with a team-high 23 points. He was perfect from the field, 9-for-9. 2-for-2 beyond the arc, 3-for-4 at the free throw line in that win. Also had 8 rebounds and 4 assists. Crazy that he didn't have a block in the game. He did have a steal, however, but you go back to that game last week where these two teams squared off, and again, it was a 115-99 to Pacers win. In that game, Miles Turner had 16 points and 10 rebounds. He just seems to be a Hornet killer over the years, and I know that's something that hopefully is starting to get inverted, I suppose, for lack of a better term, because we got Davis Bertans, and he was kind of a little bit of a Hornets killer in the past, especially when he was in Washington as well. So uh, Miles Turner, I think, is just one of those guys that just creates a matchup nightmare. He's a stretch five in the sense that he can step out and hurt you from beyond the arc, but can really, really, really hurt you, obviously, around the rim, both offensively and defensively. Just seems like he always has a really good game against the Hornets, and that's not to take anything away from Tyrese Halliburton and the ability that he has, but Miles... Turner just seems to be uh, one of those guys that, for whatever reason, cranks it to another level against the Hornets. So uh, just for that reason, he's my Pacer to watch tonight. It's fair enough. Pacer's the number one offense in the NBA at 124 points per game. And it's easy to just look for high scores and say, you know, that's that's how they influence games. But they tend to get into track meets. It's like arena football with them. They, they are looking to stop you just enough to make their offense stand out. And so Turner is a good pick. I'll go, though, with the guy who orchestrates the offense, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. I feel like a lot of times his best game games are not the ones where he scores the most points. In fact, his two highest scoring outputs of the season, a couple of 40 pieces, both were losses. One to the Charlotte Hornets and one to the Miami Heat. However, when his assists go through the roof, he is almost impossible to stop and so are the Pacers. When he's over 17 assists per game in a game, it's only happened a handful of times, but the Pacers are unbeaten and uh, they got to win the other night, not with that volume of assists, but 22 points and 12 assists for Tyrese Halliburton in the victory over the New York Knicks in their most recent run. So Halliburton, he can hurt you in a lot of ways. His scoring has skyrocketed him in terms of his all-star status and what people are watching for. But again, I think when he and the Pacers are at their best, he is distributing the ball in a way few other players in the NBA can. LaMelo Ball is one of them, but as of the recording of this podcast, won't be available for that one tonight. So Halliburton, my player to watch for the Pacers. Next up, stat to watch or Hornet to watch? Let's go ahead and go with a Hornet player to watch. There's a lot of different ways to go in this one, I feel like, just because of the new influx of players that are available for Charlotte, but I'm going to go with Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges obviously had the team high 25 on Saturday against the Grizzlies. Very efficient, 11-13 from the field, perfect beyond the arc, 2-2. 1-2 two two. for two at the free throw line, and then he finished with 6 rebounds and 5 assists, and I know the turnovers were an issue, but turnovers were an issue for everybody because these guys have never played with each other before, and that's certainly going to happen, but... But Miles, from a defensive standpoint, I think is one of the guys that, along with Grant Williams and Nick Richards, they're going to have to be the ones to really shoulder the load against guys like Miles Turner and Pascal Siakam as well. And I mean, we didn't even talk about Pascal Siakam, and he had 25 the last time that these two teams played. So Miles Bridges probably going to get a tough defensive assignment. I 
don't know how that is going to affect his defensive end or his offensive end, I suppose, because again, the 25 points is great, but you would also like to see other people share the basketball as well. So it's one of those things that if the offense isn't quite there, as long as the defense is there, I'm not going to hate it, but I would like to have maybe a little bit more attention to detail defensively here tonight for a guy like Miles Bridges against the Pacers because it's a very, very hard team to stop, obviously, having the best offense in the NBA. I think we've kind of reverted back to the norm here in in terms of like calming down from the initial shock to the system of having all this new talent and all these new players come into town and you know looked a little closer to the box score and go, huh, the top two scorers really were the guys who have been the top two scorers all this time. And and they just got more efficient. Nothing else really changed. And again, the new guys that came did a tremendous job. All of them contributed handily to the outcome. And I don't think the Hornets win by as much, or maybe at all, if they don't have those guys. Probably they don't. So they need those guys. But in terms of who the stars of the team are still, it's still Miles Bridges and the guy I'm going to pick here, Brandon Miller. Miller was matched for second leading scorer last game by Micic. And Micic had a career night for his time in the NBA, 18 points and nine assists. But in terms of efficiency, Miles Bridges and Brandon Miller are still the two best. They combined to go 18 for 22 from the floor, 5 for 6 from 3. Bridges was 11 of 13 from the field. Miller was 7 for 9. And uh, both of them ended up with six rebounds, both of them really solid overall games. And I I think that is what's going to stand out here. We touched on Miller's run. His last 15 games, he's the highest scoring rookie in the NBA, bar none. And even if you widen it out and say, hey, it's not just rookies, it's all players, all experience, Brandon Miller is still in the top 35 of the NBA of players over the last 15 games at 22.4 points per contest. He's ahead of guys like Colby White and Jimmy Butler and Paolo Bancaro and Julius Randle and Pascal Siakam, guys who have been all-stars. Miller is scoring more effectively and efficiently than a lot of those guys. So I look at this as a real opportunity here for Brandon Miller to maybe not increase his volume as much, but I think his efficiency is going to get that much better, and it's going to force defenses to make a decision. If you choose to guard him, he's smart enough to move the ball, get other guys good looks. If you keep it one-on-one or you try and slow down a Michich or a Grant Williams or a Seth Curry, good luck stopping Brandon Miller in catch-and-shoot situations because he's already proven to be one of the better shooters in the NBA. Last but not least, a stat to watch. Before I get to stat to watch, one more point that I wanted to touch on that you mentioned was these new guys coming in and how the Hornets need them, but that's also the understanding with some of the veterans that came over in these trades saying, we know what Miles Bridges is capable of, we know what Brandon Miller is capable of, those guys deserve the lion's share of the shot attempts in the offense, and they know that the the offense needs to flow through them. So that's great recognition in that regard, too. And they're all role players. They've all been role players for several years. They've played with superstars. Trey Mann was playing with SGA. Uh, Williams has played with... Grant Williams was in the conference finals last year. Yeah, he was playing with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and then went over and played with Luka Doncic. So they know how to be really, really good role players who are going to pop off for 20 or 30-point nights when the opportunity is there and then be just as a 
effective scoring 5-15. to 15. So they know what the job is in front of them, and I think everyone's recognizing just how bright of a star Brandon Miller is. But for the moment, as a rookie, as all rookies are, they're a, maybe a more used and more effective role player, but they still have a role to play, and Brandon Miller's very good about moving the basketball along and taking advantage of situations as well. So I think this bodes well here for the Hornets all the way around. All right, stat to watch. Stat to watch. I'm going to look at rebounding just because both of these teams somehow, well, we know why the Hornets are not good at rebounding right now, and that's because of the lack of size, because of injuries. But somehow, someway, the Pacers are, in fact, worse than the Hornets when it comes to rebounding. Indiana's 29th in the association. The Hornets are 28th. And it's just crazy to think that maybe a, a rebound or two makes that much of a difference, but it certainly does. And you go back and you look at Saturday's game, everybody contributed rebounding-wise for Charlotte. They had 43 boards. That's above their average for the season by a couple. And I know Memphis isn't a very good rebounding team, but they were able to out-rebound them 43-32. to And one of the stats that you had in that game was Memphis is over when they get out-rebounded, and the Hornets were able to dominate. One for. One for. I one for one for thirty two now, so it's pretty. Uh, you get pretty sizable. Yeah, you get what I'm getting. You were right so, though, for the most part. Yes, for the sake of the argument, I was correct. At any rate, the rebounding is something that I'm going to look at tonight. And again, you know, you have a guy like Miles Turner on that other side, and Pascal Siakam provides some size now too. Tyrese Halliburton has had triple doubles in the past, so it's kind of surprising that they don't rebound the ball very well. But I guess when you are that good at shooting and that good at scoring, you're not looking for those offensive rebounds. But defensively, you thought that they would maybe clean it up a little bit in Indiana's case. But if the Hornets continue to rebound the ball like they did on Saturday, that's going to definitely bode well. Might turn over into some second-chance point opportunities as well on the offensive side of the glass. But getting an Indiana team that shoots the ball very well, if you can get them to be one-and-done, on the offensive side, that's going to go a long way as well. So that's why the rebounding stat is something I'm really going to keep an eye on tonight. I personally can't wait for about three weeks from now when we've got a large enough sample size with this new core for the Hornets that all of my stats can be totally based off what Charlotte does well or Charlotte's efficient at or, you know, it's Charlotte, 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 Charlotte. But for now, because we're still basing... Marsha, 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 <laughs> Because we're still basing everything off the season stats and there really isn't a category where you can say, well, when the Hornets do this, they always win or when they don't do this they always lose quite frankly there's there's a lot of things that's just bottom third quite frankly for the Hornets we got to base it off what the other team does well and this one sticks out Indiana as we mentioned before they are an outstanding offense they're the best scoring team in the NBA and even against good defenses they can just flat shoot the lights out and so that's why my stat to watch is going to be field goal percentage because it's a magic number for Pacers basketball it's not points so it's It's not cheating. Field goal percentage is about efficiency, not about how many times they shoot the ball. So for the Pacers, including their last win over New York, 13-0 and when they shoot 55% or better from the floor. 17-24, and a losing record when they are under that number, but 13-0. and And the last game they played was against the New York Knicks, who were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA and one of the best coached teams in terms of the defensive side of the basketball in the NBA as well under Coach Tibbs. So that is no slouch of a defense to go ahead and put those numbers up against. They were able to do it, shooting far above that 55% mark. Uh, Indiana Pacers in that win over the Knicks shot 61%, one of their best 
field goal percentage shooting nights of the season. So Charlotte looks deeper, looks better defensively all the way around with all these guys out there. It's a one-game sample size, so it's not a lot, obviously, over the course of the entire season. Horns have not been very good defensively, but against the Pacers, it doesn't matter if you're good or you're not. They can make you look bad if they're on, and so Charlotte's got to do everything they can to limit those wide-open opportunities and try and keep them under 55%, because if they're under it, they're a below 500 team. If they're over it, they seem to be unbeatable, at least for the moment. Those are our stats and players to watch. Tonight's game, you can get a ticket for it still. Hornets.com. Come join us at the Hive. See the new look Hornets. Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, plus their newfound friends from the trade deadline deals should be a lot of fun at the Hive. Rob Longo, can't wait for it. I'm excited. I know that we always say there's no bad days in the NBA, but I'll be honest, I haven't been this excited for a Hornets game in a very long time, and by a very long time, I mean Saturday. Yeah, 48 hours. Uh, Yeah, food tastes better, air is clearer, life is better, things are looking up right now at Spectrum Center, and boy, when this team is healthy, I can't wait. Can't wait for tonight's contest as well. Hope you'll join us at the Hive. Either way, we will have it covered for you tomorrow with a recap edition of the HHC. Till next time, for Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber, saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.